0: So I'm not gonna lie, one of the most annoying things about doing these episodes on Tuesday and Friday or more so just twice a week is the fact that sometimes there's some shit that comes out right at the end that you can't cover until the next week because the episode is already done and uploaded. Although this time, I'm hoping that nothing new gets to come to light before the next time I do this. So I'm gonna just try and keep it straight and say that we're gonna discuss women and children this time. Maybe a little bit of spice in between. But before I get into anything that's that serious, let me start off by talking about the UK for a little bit. Now, a couple of teachers in the UK schools are developing lessons to get this re-educate teens brainwashed by Andrew Tate. Like, let me just get this straight. You're telling me that this guy was so phenomenal on the internet. He was such an influential person that teachers are actually setting up, like, some sort of learning program to re-educate teens claiming that they were brainwashed by Andrew Tate? Like, this is wild shit. Anyways, let me just read the story real quick. So, the story goes... Teachers in the UK are creating lesson plans to re-educate teenage students who have been brainwashed by misogynistic influencer Andrew Tate, according to a report. Tate, who is locked up in a Romanian prison on charges of rape and sex trafficking, has had a toxic effect on teens who have embraced his hateful ideology, forcing teachers to address his views with their students, according to the Sunday Times. A school in South London gave a presentation to a group of 14-year-olds after teachers became concerned about the students expressing ideas they learned from Tate, a self-described misogynist who amassed a massive following of mostly young men on social media. The group of about 30 students were reportedly asked questions like ''Do you think that Andrew Tate is still harmless?'' and what happens when we take in his messages. The conversation quickly turned into a debate about rape, with about 10 of the students maintaining that women were responsible for their sexual assaults, a view propagated by Tate. The male teacher then asked the students how they would feel if one of their family members was a rape victim. The teacher said, and I quote, "'At that point, a lot of the boys changed their tones when I put their mother or sister in that spot, but it was worrying that a few core kids didn't and still said they would be to blame.'" End quote. And end of article. Now, when you kind of think about how these guys are sort of arguing it, like, I feel like this is probably the worst approach to do with these young men. Like, I'm not saying this as someone who kind of liked what Andrew Tate used to say. I'm just saying this as someone who's actually looking at people who are trying to bring in some level of change. Because if you bring in the lessons, they'll actually be very against it. And it might actually not work to their favor, or at least to the teacher's favor, if they actually try this approach. Personally, I feel like if you engaged in more debates and actually decided to ask them to critically think about what it is that they say, then maybe you might at least help them a little bit. Because here's the thing. I don't think Andrew Tate said that a woman is fully responsible for sexual assault or rape that happens to her. I don't think he said that. But if he did, at least you still have the opportunity to sort of try and change their minds by asking them to think critically. Now, personally speaking, I don't believe that women are to blame when it comes to sexual assault, but we need to accept the fact that in some instances, women can actually influence their ability to be sexually assaulted by other people. Because, for example, if a girl with a short skirt is walking down a dark alley in the middle of the night, let's be particularly honest, I'm not saying that whatever's going to happen to her is deserved. All I'm saying is, there's a pretty good chance that something bad might happen, especially if you see a group of guys that are just standing there on their own in that dark alley and you continue walking down that path. Now, I'm not saying that it's entirely her fault. I'm just saying that if you dress provocatively in certain places, your chances of being sexually mistreated and abused by other men kind of shoots through the roof. But then again, This isn't my debate to be had because, you know, I'm not in the UK. So let me just start this podcast before some woman gets mad at me by saying... Actually, that's not what I was going to start with. What I was actually going to start with is me saying, welcome to Break time on West Side, your number one breakdown podcast, coming to you from Nairobi, Kenya. The man on the mic is Sir Denver B, a lover of thick women. The show is Tweet Street, the show where we take a deep dive into Twitter, pull up a couple of tweets and break them down a little bit. And my goodness, there's a lot to talk about. Now, as usual, if you know the drill, then you can repeat it after me. If you don't know the drill, it's okay, I must say it. And if you do know the drill, but you don't want to say it, then it's still okay. Because at least you know, because it's all about how it is that you can contribute to the making of these Friday episodes by submitting entries that you believe should be discussed. And it's a very simple drill. It almost sounds like a song. And it goes like this. You see that tweet. You like that tweet. You want us to discuss that tweet. You send that tweet. You send it to the dms of at bagaka the d which happens to be my personal twitter handle if you happen to see it on facebook or on ig as a screenshot or a screen grab or even a reel then the place to send it to is at break on west side the dms are always open there on facebook and on ig and i would be very happy to take it from there and handle it accordingly now like i said earlier this episode is about the two things that we love unconditionally in the house aka women and children because not everyone loves dogs. And I do want to get into all of that. But before I get into anything, I want us to talk about the whole thing that happened last weekend, the whole Edwin Chiloba murder that went and annoyed some people and caused a bit of an uproar online and shit. Now, for those of you all that don't know, Edwin Chiloba was a member of the LGBTQIAP+, I think. And The guy was murdered around Friday, I think it was Friday morning, or or at least the body was found on Friday morning in a metallic box. And for people who are in Kenya, you probably know how this story went down. The guy was found. And if you are around Twitter or in the online community, then you probably know that there was a ton of people that were giving a lot of backlash talking about how it was a hate crime. And this is part of the reason why I do not like it when people jump to conclusions, because the whole thing about it being a hate crime was literally an assumption that was made by a fuck ton of people. Even influencers that are pro-LGBT were busy saying that exact same thing. But all of a sudden, 24 hours later, as investigations are still going on, all of a sudden, the boyfriend becomes a prime suspect. And this boyfriend that he had supposedly had had a wife and a kid that they were both married to, which is interesting. But, you know, story for another day. Then all of a sudden, 48 hours later, it's confirmed that it was the boyfriend that killed the guy. And it wasn't really a hate crime, but it seems more like a crime of passion. And I kid you, not all the people that were making noise about this shit being a hate crime, or oh, you people have been discriminating against the LGBT, all of these people went the fuck quiet. People did not say shit. They decided to shut up and not take accountability for the fact that they were actually wrong and they were blaming the wrong people for the wrong thing. The few that decided to continue talking about that shit continued to make it seem like us guys still hate on people who are a part of the LGBT by saying that whatever it is that happened doesn't change the fact that us guys discriminate against the LGBT. And the thing is, I've never really understood how some people can be so good at lacking accountability that they're willing to throw the blame on someone else. And the thing is, why is it so hard for you guys to accept that you probably got this shit wrong and just take your L for it? Like, one of the influences that are very pro-LGBT, known as McKenna and Jerry, who's openly come out as queer, did come out to state that, you know, all of this shit was a hate crime before it was actually determined. And this is someone who was previously a journalist for the BBC. Now, right after it's discovered that it was a case of of gender-based violence, or should I say, you know, intimate partner violence, as she'd call it, She decides to come out with her Bold Network Africa media company, as well as a bunch of other LGBT companies, to go out and make a statement asking for the government to do more in the name of trying to assist in cases of sexual and gender-based violence. And this is what she says, and I'm going to read a bit of this, and I quote, "...the existing legal landscape makes it near impossible for sexual and gender minorities to report cases of intimate partner violence fearing arrest, self-incrimination, and further harm. The government should honor its pledge to align Kenya's legislative and legal environment with international and regional standards on SGBV. We further stress the importance of developing favorable social norms, attitudes, and behaviors at institutional, community, and individual levels to prevent and respond to sexual and gender-based violence. End quote like she went ahead and decided to use all of this to now start blaming the government because she realized that the straight people are clearly not the problem and the issue is when you look at cases of gender-based violence or at least sexual and gender-based violence it's not like there's that much that can really be done because some of these people are in toxic relationships and they can go and get whooped. They come, they report to the cops, and then two, three days later, they're spotted with that partner again and they're busy holding hands and kissing. And then they come back two, three weeks later complaining about the same thing. You want to go help them. Eventually, they're running back to the same exact person and they're all of a sudden all tight And I'm not saying that this is what happened, but a lot of times, these are some of the issues that cops will deal with. So you kind of have to understand why at some point they might actually exercise a little bit of laxity on the entire thing now i'm not saying that it's justified or that it's right for them to do that it's just that when it comes to domestic violence it's a pretty tough case to deal with on one end the men that are abused they run to the cops they'll probably be ridiculed the women might be helped but a lot of times you find that the women end up going back due to i don't know if it's some level of stockholm syndrome or some shit, and that kind of complicates matters because how exactly do you help someone Who's going back to the same problem that almost killed them? Like, it's kind of a little bit complicated at that point. Then on the other side, you kind of have to look at the LGBT society and kind of consider the fact that they exist under a gray line, like I've mentioned once before. And you kind of have to admit that it's a little bit hard to kind of help them because on one end... They do enjoy the benefits of doing what it is that they do, much as it's considered illegal, but no one really reports them and tries to persecute them for this, as long as you don't do it in front of anyone's face. But on the flip side, you can't exactly report this shit because it's kind of like a weed dealer going to the cops and saying that his supply has been stolen. It'll either not be taken so seriously or they might end up actually being locked for it which is tough, but it's the price you get to pay for doing something that isn't legally recognized but at the same time is socially allowed. Now, all that said and done, I'm not saying that whatever was done was justified, I do not endorse murder or any type of crime like that, but considering that there is no known case of him being domestically abusive towards the other dude means that At this point in time, even though you say that the government should do more, in this particular case, it's not like there's any more that they could have actually done. But all that said and done, I'll leave the activist work to the activists and move on to the tweets. So on to our very first tweet of this episode. Gents, the new pandemic is single motherhood. In Kenya, we are already doing well above 25% of mothers who have no husbands. Who is at fault here? Keep in mind at some point your sister slash cousin and her kids will become your problem so we can't continue to pretend like it's all okay. Alright, so to kind of think about it and say that it's 25%, like, I don't think that this um, percentage is really backed up by anything. I feel like this one is just a headcount that the guy decided to pull out of his ass. And also, this is something that was said by the popular men's influencer known as Andrew Kibe, another Andrew over here. And to be very honest, I kind of get where he's coming from. Like, I don't want to call it a pandemic. I don't want to call it like a disease or anything. I don't want to sound inhumane like that. But I do kind of get where he's coming from with the whole single mother thing. Now, let me be straight up about this, because I have my own rant about this to kind of bring in, because... Honestly, I don't get why the hell it is that there's so many single moms that are popping up and a lot of them are the fine babes. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you don't have a kid, you're ugly or that the women who should be the single mothers are supposed to be the ugly babes. It's just that a lot of times, like, you go, you see a super fine babe, like, whether this is IG, whether this is, like, in your area or anything and you holler at them you know you realize they're super fine and everything and you're thinking about how you would want to date this chick you'd want to be with this chick like it's not even just about the shag you're thinking you might even want to do more with this babe then all of a sudden you find out that she has a kid or two like not in a bad way but for a lot of guys that's a turn off like it's not that we're like sexually turned off or like we're emotionally turned off. It's it's almost from a logical point of view where you're like, you know what? No, I'm not gonna do this. Because there's this thing that us Kenyan guys usually say, and it's a very typical saying that you might hear every so often, where us guys will say, kwanza mechi, cauko one nil. Like you can't start a football match at one nil or two nil. And it's a saying that relates to the whole idea of getting with a single mother because at the end of the day, it's like you're pretty much getting in and you're pretty much just starting with the problems. Like there's no bliss moment, there's no honeymoon period or anything you're pretty much just getting in and it's all issues. And I can totally get where guys are coming from whenever they say this shit. Because when you look at the idea of dating a single mom, and I'm not saying this because I have anything against single moms, I'm just stating it because that's the reality that's out there. On one end, if you actually do want to have some sort of a relationship with the single mom, you not only have to appeal to the mom or the mom and her friends, but you also have to appeal to the kid as well. If it's something that's gonna go long term, you will actually have to get the approval of the kid as well, you will have to, you know, develop some sort of a relationship with the kid as well, and that may or may not be good for you, depending on how the mom feels, depending on how the baby daddy feels, and so on and so forth. Then you think about the kind of commitment that you'll put in, it's not just commitment in the babe, you putting commitment in the babe involves you also putting commitment with the kid. And on one end, you can say that it's financial, but there'll be babes who'll be like, oh, you know, if the woman's handling the bills all on her own, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, at some point, if you are going to go long term, you might be expected to handle some of those bills. And yes, you can say that the baby daddy is supposed to handle them. And hell, maybe even the baby daddy should. But you will be required to step up at some point or another because you have not decided to date just the woman, but you're pretty much getting the entire package. Then you look at the issues that can come up with a kid. If at some point you're trying to develop a relationship with a kid and disciplinary action needs to be had, if the woman is okay with it, but the baby daddy isn't, you have issues. If the woman isn't okay with it and the baby daddy doesn't care or does care, then you have issues. So at the end of the day, you pretty much have a stick, but you can't use it because whatever it is that you do, you're fucked. So this kid ends up disrespecting you at some point and you have nothing that you can do about it, but report it to the mom of which that's going to bring in the whole step-parent issues and so on and so forth. So at the end of the day, It just looks like it's a bad deal for most guys. Like, why go through all of that hassle when you can just go for a single babe that doesn't have any kids? Although, at the end of the day, I'm not gonna lie, there's a lot of milfs out here. And there's a lot of single moms, very fine single moms. So, yes, maybe this might be a pandemic, but damn, it sucks because it's gobbling up all the beautiful people. But, anyways, all that said and done, I'm gonna leave it at that and I'm gonna move it on. So, on to our very next tweet... Of this episode. A study found that when people were asked by a stranger if they would sleep with them, 75% of men said yes, and every single woman said no. So, actually, when that study was done, the, the whole premise of it, like, it's not as short as this sort of uh, tweet has kind of put it, but it was actually a little bit longer. So, Now, the entire study in and of itself kind of just goes back to the same thing that a lot of us guys have said for a very long time. The whole, women hold the keys to sex, but men hold the keys to the relationship. But it's mostly about the sex part. Because when you kind of look at the whole keys thing, even though people want to debate it, it's actually not that hard to actually kind of just bring them on to the whole idea of of who holds the keys to what. Because at the end of the day, the largest consequences are felt by the people who hold the keys which is why women are a lot choosier when it comes to sex. And you'll find that when you look at the consequences of sex, women are actually affected the worst as opposed to guys. Now, with guys, getting into a relationship can actually pose more consequences for them because their satisfaction, their happiness might be higher, but a lot of their issues, their stress, their depression, um, child support, alimony, divorces and shit like those things actually do affect guys a hell of a lot more than they do affect the babes but all in all it just pretty much tells you that guys are very open to having sex because sex for guys carries some level of a reward in our minds like it's looked at as a form of a reward with babes it comes down to a choice it's am I willing to give this person or this person with guys we don't have that level of choice at least most of us don't What we end up having to do is we end up having to struggle to find a way to convince a babe to let us hit, which is kind of where the current situation is, you know, up until you become, you know, rich, famous, successful, and so on, or your looks and your social skills garner you favor with babes who are pretty much just going to let you hit. Either way, the sexual market is against men at the end of the day. So I'm going to leave it at that and I'm going to move it on. So on to our very next tweet of this episode. For a generation that can't quote-unquote find a good man, y'all sure get pregnant a lot. Okay, this one is particularly interesting because it actually makes a fuck ton of sense. It actually does make quite a bit of sense because when you kind of look at it, a lot of the babes who usually talk about, oh, you know, we can't find good men, or a lot of times you hear babes talking about how they can't find good men, but you're still finding more or less those same babes are getting pregnant by other niggas. So at the end of the day, you kind of have to ask yourselves, was it that you just saw that there were good men while you were riding on dick? Or was the dick good enough that it made you look at him like he's a good man? Because at the end of the day, they will always attribute it to good dick. You know, good dick can make a babe do blah, blah, blah. And all of that's true. It's just that by the time you're getting pregnant and you're choosing to keep the pregnancy, you probably do have to think about whether your child is going to have a good father with them. And the unfortunate side of it is because there are some successful single mothers, a lot of babes believe that they can also be among that small number of successful single mothers. And the unfortunate side of it is they decide to keep the kid. Like, you already know the kind of guy that you're with and you've been taking the dick raw and everything and that's all fine and dandy. But you actually want to keep the kid? Like, are you serious, though? And by all means i know there are some that will decide to keep the kid because the guy is like oh you know we can raise a child together and shit, but they end up being stupid but i don't think that that makes up the largest majority of single moms i feel like a lot of them just decide to keep the kid because you know they're pregnant and shit, or maybe the thought of taking away a potential life is probably like super huge for them although that said i actually do want to say something when it comes to the sexual marketplace because it actually affects the dating marketplace Good guys, great guys, they actually have it the hardest when it comes to the sexual and the dating marketplace, because the sexual marketplace influences the dating marketplace today. Because you look at a lot of the guys that get to hit it raw, it's probably going to be an asshole. It's probably going to be a guy that may not give too much of a shit about you, but because I oh don't know Shorty was mesmerized by the fact that he's a dick or he's an asshole and he's very confident and rebellious about shit, you pretty much let the dude hit it raw. Like, the toxic guy that you know is toxic was the one that you were allowed to hit raw, and he's done it a bunch of times, and he's gotten you pregnant, or he's pretty much taken you through shit. So now, when a great guy comes, now that's when a baby's like, oh, I want to take it slow, oh, I don't want to do anything unless it's after a while, or I'm gonna save myself until marriage. Of which, when I hear that shit, I'm like, bitch, what? Like, you've been letting bums and toxic niggas and asshole hit it raw and pretty much hit it as fast as possible. But the moment you realize that there's a good guy, there's a great dude that checks all the boxes in your life, that's when you suddenly want to hold back on the pussy? Like, are you sure that that's really fair? Like, let's be very honest about this because a lot of times you find babes saying that there's no great guys. And then you realize that a lot of the times they've pretty much been giving it up to ancient niggas. And you realize that like 90-95% of her track list of niggas she's banged are all ain't shit niggas. So when she finally decides to make a change in her life and you know decide to go out looking for something better for herself and then she finds a great guy, the one thing that she wants to hold back on is the pussy that she's been giving to ain't shit niggas for free. Like at the end of the day, this great guy would probably benefit a hell of a lot more from the pussy that you're holding back than the ancient shit niggas. So why are you holding back so much from giving it to him? Like this shit don't make sense. Which is why at the end of the day, I still come back and say that, you know what? Good guys, great guys are the ones that have it the worst in the dating marketplace. And it's all because of the sexual marketplace because they have it the worst there. Well, them and nice guys as well, because they sort of end up being clustered together at times. Although, then again, I might be wrong about this and a lot of other shit, so I want your thoughts on this. The DMs are open on Twitter, it is at Bagaka the D, on Facebook, on IG, it is at Break Time on West Side. Thank you so much for listening all the way till the end, and I will catch you guys on the next break. <coughs>